Praise the Lord. This is my story. I'll give you some introductory remarks to my brother here, Elder Marlon Tillman. He's an elder in the Church of Christ. And he teaches also at his church in Cleveland, at Christian, Trinity Christian Church, up in Cleveland. I've known him since 2009, when we first met in Lexington, Kentucky. Yes, 2009. At the Bible Sovereign Grace Conference. I actually have the pictures. <laughs> I have the pictures. And the Lord connected us then because we share the same blood. That goes deeper than the stain is gone. We share the same love and understanding of the sovereign God. The God who reigns. We share the same love for the gospel not just any other gospel, but the gospel of God's sovereign and free grace. And that's the only gospel that saves. There are many things that I can tell you and that I love about the brother. I talk to him when I have things going on. And the Lord has given me much encouragement through him. There are a lot of things that I love about the brother. That's why he's here. And I'm sure Sister Stephanie, his wife, will attest to that. Because apparently she has not left him Hallelujah. for many years now. But I love him also because he is a fellow soldier in the preaching and proclamation of God's gospel. And as I say, the gospel that I preach, the gospel that he preaches and he believes in is 100% of grace. So it is an encouragement to me and it should be an encouragement to you also that what you've been hearing is not just my own mind, but that is the mind of God as he has given us to understand from his scriptures. So it is good for me to have a brother whom God has raised for this very purpose, that his name may be proclaimed in the calling of his people to himself. I'll ask you a question, and I'll answer the question. What is the worst thing that can happen to a church body? What is the worst thing that could happen to a church body? Someone may think, well, the pastor committed adultery. They embezzled the church funds. They are doing all kinds of things. But I'll tell you this. The worst thing that can happen to a church body is if God removes from them one who preaches the gospel. The Corinthian church was one of the most messed up churches that you could imagine. But the Apostle Paul was never really mad at them like he was with the Galatian church. The Galatian church only had one problem. They tried to change the gospel. And said, well, for you to be accepted by God, yes, believe all these things, but add something to it. And for that, Apostle Paul uses the strongest words that are in the New Testament, written by the apostles. That if anyone would come and preach any other gospel than that which you received, let them be accursed. Even if it's an angel from heaven, it doesn't matter. 
Even if it's myself, if I bring a different gospel, I cast, be banned in hell for God's glory. So the biggest blessing that you can have is to be able to go to a place where you hear what God is actually saying about your salvation. So I pray the Lord for Brother Tillman and his family, of course, who help to keep him sane. Mm. Or not. <laughs> so Brother Tillman, come and share with God's people whatever God has given you. And yet, Berean, we say, take as much time as you need. And of course, that's the most dangerous thing that you can tell a preacher. It's like giving someone an open check and say, go to the mall and buy whatever you want. And get back when the mall closes. Brother Tillman. Brother James just explained my entire life there in 30 seconds. They take the checkbook and go to the mall. They buy whatever they want. Certainly we do honor Christ Jesus, who is all in all. He is the only reason you and I are even here. Uh, we honor his sovereignty. We honor his holiness. We honor his majesty. He truly is King of kings and Lord of lords. I certainly am grateful to be in your midst. Um, we had hoped that this would have taken place several months ago yes. uh, and it didn't but God is sovereign yes. God is sovereign uh, he knows what we need exactly when we need it uh, we, we certainly don't uh, hold to it should have happened then but it didn't but this is the time that God has us together and uh, I'm really really grateful for it let me say too this will be the first time in the history of my ministry or uh, preaching career that I'm actually preaching with no shoes on <laughs> Praise the Lord for that. <laughs> I was thinking as we were coming over here that you know this is sort of this is really a New Testament church, right? In in the house and in the house of, of believers and that sort of thing. So I'm kind of feeling like first century, and I don't have on any shoes. So this is this is really good. I'm, I, I hope I'm playing the part. If I could, before we begin, I, I just want to say uh, thank you to to James and and and, and you Berean. Uh, for having me. Um, please forgive me. I like to use a little bit of humor to calm myself down. So You may not be laughing, but I am because I need to calm myself down. Um, but seriously, I am grateful to be here. Um, I am so happy to see uh, God blessing the work of my friend. And your faces out there tell me that God is blessing the work that my buddy is doing here. And that's a great thing. That's a great thing because I know where he was not too long ago. Amen. And he was wondering, and we've all been there, is this worth it? Is this where I'm supposed to be? You are a testament to that. You are a blessing to him. He talks about you guys all the time when we do talk. Uh, um, continue to pray for him. This is a lonely work. You don't make a lot of friends Amen. when you preach the truth. Now, he could preach anything and have a arena. Yeah. But when you preach the truth, you don't, you don't make a lot of friends. So Amen. continue to pray for him and continue to hold up his arms as he stands for truth. It is what is needed, brothers and sisters. It is what is needed in our day. If you would, Berean, turn with me to the book of Exodus, chapter 3. As you're turning, he mentioned my wife, uh, Stephanie's back there, my two daughters, uh, Megan and Gabrielle. You'll see them uh, when service is over. Two teenage girls. So if you don't think I have a whole lot to pray for, then, <laughs> then you don't have teenage girls. <laughs> yeah, two teenage girls. Um, uh, but they are a blessing. They really are. All right, Exodus chapter 3. And you know what? I'm just going to read. For a while, <laughs> the Lord will tell me when to stop. I probably won't go any further than, than verse 12. Yeah, 
very familiar. You, you guys all know the story. Exodus 3, beginning at verse 1, I'll be reading from the English Standard Version, ESV, so it may be a little different than what you have. Listen to the word of our God. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb and the mountain of, the, and the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near, take off your sandals, take the sandals off your feet. For the place on which you are standing is holy ground. Wow. (laughs) And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and who have heard, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of the land, bring them out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to a place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me. And I have also seen the oppression of which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, but I will be with you. And this shall be the signs for you that I have sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt. You shall serve God on this mountain. Thus ends the reading of God's word. If you would, go back with me to verses 7 and 8. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the afflictions of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Thus ends the reading of God's word. Saints, today I want to talk to you about the heart, the heart of our God. Precious Father in heaven, we thank you once again for an opportunity that we, your people, might gather around your word, that we might hear the glorious truth of the gospel of your dear son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for an opportunity where we might with such freedom, open up your word and glean from the truth that our souls might be filled with the wonderful truth of who you are and what it is you have done for us in Christ Jesus. We love you and we thank you. We commit our time to you, Lord, and ask that you would please use it to that end. We ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. 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 You you guys call yourselves the Berean Church and That poses a problem for me, Brother James. (laughs) That means if I don't get it right, you're going to search the scriptures to see if these things are true, right? (laughs) (laughs) But that's that's not really a problem for me. That's that's not really a problem. That's that's a good thing. I wish most churches would do that. There wouldn't be a whole lot of foolishness uh, in our churches if, if the people would just go back and see if these things are true. But the heart of our God, the heart of our God. Exodus 3, 7, and 8. Brothers and sisters, I read a book. I read a book. I try to read it every year. Uh, uh, there's a book by uh, John Piper. I don't know if any of you are familiar with John Piper. There's a book uh, that he wrote. It is entitled uh, The Supremacy of God in Preaching. The Supremacy of God in Preaching. And in that book, uh, John Piper tells the story of a family uh, that was in his church. And, 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 and in that story, he tells this family uh, had a young daughter and their young daughter had been abused. Had, had, they had, it had just come to light that she had been uh, abused. And, 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 and the father uh, of this young girl tells John Piper that 
John Piper's sermons on the glory and the majestic holiness of God is what carried them through the most difficult time of their life. Their daughter had not only been abused, but she had been abused by a family member. This family who had their child's innocent years uh, ripped away from her by a member of her own family. These parents who, who had to keep uh, reliving this nightmare over and over and over said that the only way they made it through was that John Piper had given them a great vision of their God. The father said that the, this vision of God was the rock that we were able to stand on. So I ask you, brothers and sisters, what does that mean? It means your view of God is everything. How you view God will go a long way in how you handle the things of this life. Both the good and the bad. See, see, we, we, we tend to think that we need God most in the most difficult times. And, and that's true. We, we do need him in the most difficult times. But, but, but because of our sinful nature, saints, we really need God when things are going well in our life. Because when things are going well, we tend to forget about God. So not only do we need him in adversity, but we need him in the prosperity as well. How you view God tells you a lot about how you will handle, handle the difficult and the good times in your life. But saints, the opposite is also true. How you handle the difficult and the good times in your life will tell you how you view God. Having a proper view of God is essential to being a healthy Christian. See, everyone who is a Christian, and, 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 and this, this, this I know flies in the face of everything you hear and see on television, but everyone who is a Christian participates in the human experience. It's just, it's just, part, of, it's just part of life in the fallen world. Every single one of us, even those who name the name of Christ, will suffer in this life. Saints, we are not immune to difficulties. We are not immune to life's difficulties. And when life's difficulties come, do we say like the rest of the world when tragedy happens? You, you know, the rest of the world, as soon as something happens to us as Christians, they run to us and say, where is your God now? Or do you and I stand flat-footed in the face of adversity, say like Job and Job 2, we have received good from the Lord Shall we not also receive the bad? We need a great vision of our great God. I believe, saints, I, this is just me, this is just Marlon, you don't have to take this. I, I believe it is what the church needs most in our day. And with that in mind this morning, I want to try to show you and give you a great vision of the heart, the heart of our great God. And there are plenty of places in the scriptures that, that show the heart of our God. But, but this is where we'll camp out today in, 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 in Exodus chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. I don't know where this sermon was born out of. I, I don't know when, when, when I wrote this. Was I going through difficult times? Was there somebody I knew who was going through difficult times? Uh, I, I don't know. But, but, but I tell you, saints, as I read this passage, it just fills my heart with joy to know that my God... <laughs> has such a heart for his people. So if the Lord is willing, so if the Lord is willing, we will leave here today with a vision of the heart of our great God. Where, where, where do I see the heart of our God in this passage? Well, well, saints, it can first be seen in, in verse 7 of Exodus 3. The heart of our God can be seen where it says, God says, I have surely seen. God's heart is revealed by the idea that God sees. God says to Moses that I have seen. This indicates to us, brothers and sisters, that there is nothing that is hidden from our God. Amen. <laughs> Proverbs 15 and 3 states that the eyes of the Lord are every place, keeping watch over the evil and the good. Uh, this, this should give us a reason to shout today. 
His eyes are everywhere. What is it that you have done or said or thought or even imagined that God has not seen? Saints, this means that there are no blind spots with our God. You, you, you all, if, if you drive, my, my, my oldest one has her driver's license now and she, she's driving and, and, and she may not understand. But, but, but there are times when you're driving where, where you look in your mirror and, and, and you don't see anything and you don't think something's there. But, but a car might be right on. There's a blind spot. When, 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 God, when God says to Moses, I have seen, he's saying, I have no blind spots. There is no secret place that you can go where you are out of God's sight. Now, let's be honest, for our flesh, this might not be a good thing. But for our soul, it rejoices and shouts. For I now realize that no matter what is happening around me or even to me, God sees exactly what's going on. Listen, listen, saints, to, 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 to the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 4. If y'all don't mind, I used your little songbook as a little uh, spot to hold my place in my Bible. Hope you didn't mind. Uh, uh, listen, to what, listen to what the writer of Hebrews says in, in Hebrews 4, verses 12 through 13. Verses 12 says, uh, For the word of God is living and active, Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and of the spirit, of joints and of marrow, and the discerning of thoughts and intentions of the heart. In verse 13 says, and no creature is hidden from his sight. But we are all, what's that word? Naked. Didn't you talk about that? Yes. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but we are all naked and exposed. To the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Amen. We're naked before him. Which is why our flesh doesn't like that part. But, but, but the idea that nothing saints. What, what God is saying is that nothing takes God by surprise. There isn't any situation where God is taken off guard. God sees Everything. But more importantly, but more importantly, in, in our text, God sees the affliction of his people. Is that what he says there? He says, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. Egypt represents bondage. Egypt represents slavery. Egypt represents, uh, 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 again, bondage and slavery. It's no freedom there. But, but God says, I see what my people are going through. And not only does God see it, but he guarantees. He says, I surely see what my people are going through. There's no maybe. There's no hint of uncertainty of what God sees. God says in no uncertain terms, I see exactly what my people are going through. Right now, your spirit should be rejoicing. There should be something happening on the inside when to know that no matter what you're facing today, no matter what you're going through right now, it could be the worst thing in your life it might even be what i talked about in the beginning what that man that family at john piper's uh, church uh, might have been going through it could be the worst time in your life but you know what there's hope because god sees it he says i see what my people are going through if your heart is getting a little warm it's a good thing because moses is just warming up Moses is just, God's just warming up. Moses is just warming up here. He, he, he goes on. I, I love it because he uses that three-letter word in the Bible that just makes me so happy, Brother James. That three-letter word that makes my soul rejoice. And. There's more. There's more. And. He says, I, I see the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cries because of their taskmaster." God's heart is also revealed, not in the fact that he just sees, but his heart is revealed in the fact that he also hears. See, for the people of God, this is another area where we can take comfort. 
our God has a listening ear. This, this idea that God hears is clearly seen throughout all of the Psalms. I, I, and there are far too many uh, scriptures to, 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 to look at in just this one sermon. But, but, but Psalm 34, 6 says, this poor man cried out to the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my trouble. See, this is what is being conveyed here in Exodus 3. God says, I have heard their cry because of their taskmaster. The nation is crying out uh, uh, to God because of their enemy. The Egyptians, the enemy here, uh, was working them past the point of exhaustion. (laughs) The enemy was putting too much on them. More than they could bear. The enemy, the enemy uh, was placing so much on them that the people of God needed to cry out because they needed relief. The nation here is crying out and calling on God because the enemy they were facing was too powerful for them to overthrow themselves. (laughs) See, when you understand that your enemy... One of the things that happens to us as Christians is we believe too much in our own ability. That's one of our faults. But when we recognize that the enemy that you and I are facing is too powerful for us, too powerful for us, the one thing we must do is we must call upon one who is more powerful than our enemy. That's what the nation is doing here. He says, I have heard their cries uh, because of their taskmaster. You and I, saints, have to come to this point in our Christian walk. We have to come to the point where we realize that our enemy is too powerful for us to handle on our own. See, the enemy is much bigger than we are. And we need someone, as I just said, more powerful than him if he is to be defeated. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to make sure we get this straight. The enemy I am referring to is not the devil. (laughs) Satan, Brother James, is not my biggest problem. My biggest problem is the sin that lies within my own flesh. I need someone who can help me deal with my own sin in my own flesh. Sin is so much bigger and powerful than we even realize. Again, I'm not talking about somebody else's sin. I'm talking about our own sin. Jeremiah says that the heart of man is deceitful and desperately wicked. It is so sick, you can't even know how wicked you are. So you need someone more powerful than that. The Bible says that sin is a monster. It's a monster. See, 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 there are many, there, there are many who, who <laughs> again, I told you I like to use humor. Uh, I hope nobody in this room, and you're, you're, you're Berean, so I know nobody in this room thinks this, but, but too many Christians follow that, that Flip Wilson theology, right? The devil made me do it. No, no. When you and I sin, we are drawn away by our own lusts. That's what the Bible tells us. I want you to see, saints, I want, because sin is such a monster, because, because sin is so powerful, I want you to see how powerful sin is. Turn to Romans chapter 7. Turn to Romans 7. You, you, you need to see how powerful sin is. And why we, why we must call upon the Lord to help us. Look at verses, look at verse eight. I'm going to read quite a bit here, so I hope you can follow uh, uh, Romans chapter seven. He said, but sin, well, you know what? Let's back up to verse seven. That's where we should, let's just back up to verse seven. We should just go back to Genesis 1-1, right? No. <laughs> Romans 7, 7 says, what then shall we say? That the law is sin? No, by no means. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. 
For I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But look at how sin, look how powerful sin is. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetedness. Did you hear that? Paul says that the law told me I should not covet. And that's a good thing. But what sin did, as soon as I heard, do not covet, something happened on the inside of me. <laughs> soon as I heard, don't go after that, that's the very thing my heart wanted to go after. Amen. This is how powerful sin it took opportunity through the good and perfect law of God and produced in me the very thing that God said don't do. Amen. Sin is a monster. Amen. But he goes on. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law. But when the commandment came, sin came alive, and then I died. Amen. Oh, my goodness gracious. This is, remember, I'm trying to explain why we need to call on God, why we need to call on our, 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 great, our great God to help us, because sin is so, is, 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 is so strong, it's so powerful, that it even uses the very law of God to produce something bad in me. He says the commandment came, sin came alive, and I died. The very commandment, listen to what he says, the very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandments, deceived me. <laughs> oh my God. Sin deceived me, and through it killed me. So the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good in order that sin might be shown to be sin and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. Did I, I, hope, you, I hope you were able to follow that. I hope you see how powerful sin is. Sin has the power to even take what is good and still produce evil in me. That's why you and I, saints, have to call upon God. We can't fight it on our own. We're not powerful enough to fight that kind of power. We need someone, we need someone who has more power than that to help us. The Egyptians, which served as a, as a sign of bondage, to, were more powerful than the nation of Israel. And they cried out, Lord, come and help us. Amen. You and I have to cry out, Lord, help us. And the good news, saints, is that when we call out to him, he hears our cries. It's good news. That's good news. The writer in, in, in Exodus, Exodus 3, Moses goes on in Exodus 3, at the end of 7, he says, not only do I see, and not only uh, does God hear, he says, I also know. He, he says, I know their sufferings. I'm trying to show you the heart of our God. God sees, God hears, and he knows. Wait, 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 wait. You mean the God who created heaven and earth? The God who is surrounded by a light which no man can approach? The God who upholds the entire universe by the word of his power knows his people suffering. It's good news. That's good news. That's good news. The great big God even knows my everyday suffering. The God 
of the Bible knows what's going on. And notice for me, notice y'all, uh, that word know in verse 7. That word know uh, in the original Hebrew uh, speaks to an intimate knowledge. It, 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 it's not talking about just some facts that, that God can recall. No, 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 he's not talking about that. He's talking, not just facts. I was, I was, uh, I was, I have teenage girls. Yeah. Right, I got two teenage girls, so I have a hard time impressing them. They're teenage girls. That's very difficult for their father to impress them. So the other day, the other day, I was showing, I was telling them that I could name, now this is March Madness time. I'm a huge college basketball fan, so 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 please, so please bear with me. I was I was showing them that I could name every NCAA champion from 1979 all the way up through 2000. Didn't I do it? Didn't I do that, Megan? She was impressed. Megan was really impressed. She was really impressed. I was telling her, I said, I can name it, I can tell you who won, who they played, and what city the game was played in. I was, I mean, I was really impressing her. I, 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 I was really showing her that I knew a bunch of facts. But facts don't really do anything. Just empty facts. When God said he knows, he's not saying, oh yeah, I see you down there suffering. That's not what he's saying. God is saying, I am intimately aware. I know exactly what it is my people are going through. I, I, I can relate intimately with them. Now, wait a second. How, how is it that this God can, can know intimately the sufferings of his people? Well, saints, in the book of Hebrews, the writer says this about Jesus. He says, Jesus is able to sympathize with us. Wait a minute. How, Jesus is able. He says, because even though he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. So, so, so God, the son said, he, I know exactly. This is, this is, this is Exodus. This is before Jesus. But, but even all the way back then, God was telling us, I, I, I know what you're going through. I, I, you're, you're not alone. I, I, I am in it with you. I, I know exactly what my people are facing. Saints, this means that there is nothing in your life right now that God can't handle. There isn't something, there isn't anything that God is unaware of and therefore he is unprepared to deal with. Our God knows Everything that there is to know. He knows everything. I heard a preacher say this one time and it blew my mind. I, and I, I don't know if it'll blow your mind, but it blew my mind when he said it. He says, because God knows everything, there isn't anything that he knows better than anything else. He knows everything. So there isn't something that God knows better than he knows. He knows it all. He, he knows everything, so your suffering is even included in that. He knows everything. And this helps us to stop piecemealing God. You know what I'm talking about, right? Amen. You know what piecemealing God is, right? I'm going to, I'm, okay, Lord, I'm going to let you handle this, but, but, but this over here, oh, I got to take care of this myself. You, 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 you don't know how to, no, 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 we can stop doing that because God knows everything. And he knows exactly where you are and what you're going through. And none of these situations take him by surprise. Does anybody in here believe that? Believe that? Even if you don't, guess what? God's going to prove it to you in the next verse. Verse 7 says that God sees, God hears, and God knows exactly what his people are going through. And that's really, really amazing when you think about it. God is actively present in our lives, circumstances, uh, uh, and even our suffering. God is acutely aware as to what is going on. But as amazing as this is, by themselves, they really don't do anything to help us in our situations. Think about it. He sees, to see and to hear and to know our great but if you only have those and yet I'm still in the same situation, what good are they to me? God says, not only do I see and not only do I hear and not only do I know, 
But all of these things move him to act. <laughs> see, see, all these things, the fact that he hears and the fact that he sees and the fact that he, that, that he knows now moves him to act. That not what verse 8 says? Verse 8 says, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. I have come down to deliver my people from the Egyptians. God doesn't leave his people where they are, but delivers them from their enemy. See, the heart of our God moves him to move on our behalf. This action, saints, shows us that our God is merciful. Hmm. Our God is merciful. See, mercy is when God extends his goodness to people who are in a pitiful condition. Hmm. God dispenses his goodness to people who are in a pitiful condition. See, God says, I saw the situation that the people in, were in in Egypt, and because of his great love, he had pity and compassion upon them. Brothers and sisters, you and I were in a pitiful condition. You and I were in bondage, not in Egypt, but we were in bondage to our own sin. And God had compassion on us. Now, you can only appreciate this compassion when you realize that God was under no obligation to show it to us. God who's God. God, who has always been God and will always be God, did not have to show mercy to us. But yet the Bible says in Micah 7 and 8, 18, that God delights in showing mercy. Now, I have to tell you, I don't know what that means. All I know is that the Bible says that somehow, in some way, God gets pleasure in showing compassion to people who are in a pitiful condition. Amen. You and I were in a pitiful condition. And yet he showed us mercy. Amen. But what does God actually do even in, in this, this with the nation of Israel here? What does he do? The Bible says that he comes down to deliver. But wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait a minute. This is this passage of scripture is the calling of Moses. To bring the people out of Egypt, isn't it? If, if, if you were written, Moses, you're gonna Moses, you're gonna do Mo, Moses, Moses, Moses. But but right in the middle of calling Moses, God proclaims that I am coming down to deliver my people. I have come down. It, it, it means that God is using Moses as his instrument. That's all. But 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 even though Moses is the person everybody will see, God is the one doing the delivering. And this is a really important lesson that God is teaching us here, and I, I hope we don't miss it. Saints, ultimately, it is it is God. Ultimately, it is God who is working behind the scenes to bring about His plan of redemption. He may use whomever he wants to get. He may use whoever he wants to get us where we need to be. But but God is the one who's doing the delivering. I want you to think about the time. I want you to think about the time when God showed you. His great mercy. Think about it. See, I hope what came to your mind was when God had mercy on you when you were in your sins. That, see, that's where God showed his greatest mercy to you and I. When we were deep in our sins, God had mercy on us. He saw us in our naked condition. Just like that man when he got off the boat. He saw us in our naked condition and he had mercy on us. See, this statement, I have come down to deliver my people, is nothing more than God announcing that one day the supreme deliverer would come. Amen. That's what he's talking about. Amen. 
See, see, the Old Testament is just teaching us about what God, what God is just teaching us about the supreme deliverer. Yeah, Moses did bring them out through God. God, God Moses did bring the people out, uh, out of Egypt into the promised land, but, but, but there's a greater promised land to come and there. There's certainly a greater deliverer to come. Amen. The supreme deliverer. Amen. That deliverer would come as the God man Amen. and deliver his people from their sins. See, God saw our condition and, and he heard our cries and he, and he knew our terrible situation and it caused him to act. Amen. John chapter one, you all, I don't even have to, everybody knows John one, right? In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God, right? And the same, well, ain't no sense of me trying to repeat it. Right? It's right here. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And what he was in the beginning with God, all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. And in verse 14, this same word became flesh and he dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory of the only son of the father, father full of grace and truth. This one became flesh. The word of God became flesh that he might deliver us. Amen. Do you know this was God's plan from all of eternity? Amen. Revelation 13 and 8 calls Jesus the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. God's plan was to come down and deliver us from sin's death grip. And how did he do it? He did it by giving us his own son and sending him to the cross. Saints, the heart of God is to show his love to his people. Amen. And if you and I have come to know God through faith, only because God has shown himself to us, only because God has revealed himself, only because of grace. Have you even come to even know who Christ is? Have you even come to love who God is? It's only because of grace. The Holy Spirit has come upon you. You now believe that you are now part of God's family and God delights in showing you mercy. That's his heart. And the truth is that you and I can now have abundant life and what's abundant life? Brother James, you, y'all know this is the second sermon y'all done heard today, right? He preached already. He already preached the gospel to you already. See, abundant life is now knowing God. That's, that's life. You, you are now in the midst of abundant life. Don't talk to me about what you got. Don't talk to me about how much money you have in the bank. Don't tell me about what's in your driveways at home. Abundant life is now knowing God. And you and I now know the heart of our God through Jesus Christ. Amen. In the person and work of Jesus Christ, we see the heart of our great God. I just said that. Amen. So no matter what happens today and what happens next week or what may even happen next year, saints, you can rest in the fact that God sees, God hears, God knows, and he will come and deliver. Praise the Lord. Precious Father in heaven, we thank you this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the, the comforting uh, truth of your word. That we as your people, no matter what it is we face, no matter what it is we may be going through, that you see, that you hear, that you know. And that you have come to deliver. May our hearts find comfort in these words. May we go forth from this place now loving you even more. And having assurance that you will never leave us nor forsake us. We love you and we thank you. We ask it all in Jesus name and for his sake. Amen. 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 Saints, I didn't, didn't have it here in the in the message, but I heard this a couple weeks ago, a Berean, right? A Berean, right? Yes. So I know you done talked to them about Spurgeon. I'm sure you've probably mentioned the name 
Charles Spurgeon. They know everybody. They know who Spurgeon is. Spurgeon said, he said, because God is a living God, he hears. But because he's a loving God, he answers. Amen. Yeah, he hears us. But because of his love, he answers. He acts. He sees to our situations. God's heart is so big for his people that you and I can take such comfort in that fact. Saints, I thoroughly love being with you. I don't know if anybody sitting here got anything, but I sure did. (laughs) I pray that the Lord would write these words on your heart and that you would leave here today loving your God all the more. I hope you will have me back. I probably said some things you may not. (laughs) But if you don't, I love being with you. And if I don't ever see you again, we'll meet around the throne. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Brother Tuman was working his text. I saw where he was going. And I started getting excited. And I could not wait for him to get there. Until he got to verse 8, so I have come down. Lord of mercy. Right there. So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians. As I said in the beginning, once you understand the gospel, you always come with the same message. Because all this God was preaching Christ. You can find Christ anywhere. And that's the sign that one has been called by God to preach. You're called to show God's people where Christ is, who Christ is, and what work Christ has performed for his people to deliver them. Praise the Lord, Brother Tillman. I would have read that maybe another 20 years and not paid attention to that. Oh, the Lord is good. <laughs> oh, you don't know. I'm so excited. I can't even tell you. I'm so excited by that revelation there. I love it. I love it. That's our gospel. That's our God. That's our Jesus. So I have come down to deliver. He is the one doing the deliverance. You are not helping him to be delivered. You are under the Egyptian taskmasters. You need to be delivered. And if he does not come down, guess what? You are making more bricks. You have to keep making more bricks unless he comes down. And praise the Lord, he did come down. And we have been delivered from the Egyptian taskmasters. The Lord is good. Praise the Lord.